OTB GAA. You don't just have a speech the Wednesday before a game. You go out and you rile up your team and go out and play the match with fire and brimstone. Now you analyse teams to death. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Right, to help preview Ireland-England, we're bringing the heat this morning. Uh, one's a former World Player of the Year, Ireland captain, one's a World Cup winner, and they were Lions teammates. I'm delighted to welcome Keith Wood and Matt Dawson to the show. Matt, uh, we're feeling a little bit confident ahead of this game. How are you feeling at the moment? Uh, yeah, I'm feeling really confident. Really confident. <laughs> be, it's going to be a great weekend and Ireland are going to win the Grand Slam. Right. I'm pretty confident of that. Are you, are you over to play the Legends match beforehand? <laughs> uh, absolutely not. No, I, I'm uh, I'm coming over Thursday. Um, I've got a bit of work to do with Five Live, but I'm, uh, to be perfectly honest, I'm going to soak up every single minute of those three days because it's yeah you know, for all the reasons that I'm sure that uh, you've been speaking about over the last few days. It's going to be a very very special weekend um, and one that you you know, if you're a rugby fan you you want to be a part of. You're one of the few people in the world who know what it's actually like to win a Grand Slam in Ireland because it's never happened in our history before. Yeah. But you, you guys managed it. Uh, yeah, do you know what? I uh, I put a call in to Steve Borthwick on Monday and just said, listen, just give yourself half a chance. And uh, when you walk out, go and stand on the wrong side, <laughs> stand on the Irish side, because uh, that really upsets them. <laughs> uh, and you've got half a job. I, I, I think it's uh, listen. England, of course, are going to come out and they're going to be hurting from what happened against France. Uh, but yeah, to be perfectly honest, you can be hurting all you like. It, it, England don't really have the game plan to play against Ireland. Uh, I think Ireland will not be anywhere near complacent. I think they will be focused. They will be charged. They will be motivated to do something that that no one in a green shirt has ever done before and they they just seem so cool and calm and collected at the moment um and if i may say i i feel i feel like they're in a little bit of a zone that we were back 20 years ago where it didn't matter what people threw at you we were just ready to take it on and we actually embraced the adversity and ireland looked like that at the moment they looked like they they're ready and uh, you know, and good on them. Yeah, Keith, I think that um, that's a, an excellent point and it's the one that uh, Andy Farrell has been talking about the whole way through about looking forward to challenges and this stretches all the way back to uh, the week after they got beaten by New Zealand, um, that sense of, oh, this is a big challenge for us. That, that's what we're in the game for. And, you know, we were all sceptical about it at the start, but now I think everybody believes that because the, the evidence is, is on the field of play. For a game like this, there's, there's talk in the papers about complacency but I guess to Matt's point this isn't about complacency for the Ireland team at all their motivation is to go and make history and that's that's the thing that's exciting them it seems like I, I think the fact that it's in the papers about complacency is that there's an awful lot of pundits and reporters who have only ever dealt with that level of complacency in the past and things have gone well you know and I, I for me the the joy of watching the team kind of play and grow at the moment is there seems to be an unbelievable level of honesty coming from Andy Farrell. So where he's saying, yeah, he's appreciating 
the difficulties and the reaction that the team have to go through. Um, and he's not castigating players for trying different things. He's still trying to get them to push their standard all the time to go for the pass if the pass is on and then to make the pass. But when those passes don't go to hand or when a tackle is missed, I don't know that he's coming down on them like a ton of bricks. I think he's saying, yeah, we want you to try it. We want you to believe. And they're giving them the scope to have small minor failures in the midst of a game, you know. So if you looked at the our defensive setup for this Six Nations, we've missed more tackles than we ever have, but we're playing the most exciting style of rugby and we're winning, you know. So I, I don't think that there's complacency within the within the team at all. I think there's an expectation that they go out and start fast and play well all the way to 80. They look very fit. They look very strong. Um, my only... It's not a worry, um, but the disruption of losing a chunk of players last week, which worked fantastic on the day, we now have a full week where we're trying to integrate other players in. But for me, the system is strong enough to take it, but I don't think it'll be quite as much of a walkover as some of the people who are half confused with the idea of complacency and then the fact that this is an international match that they'll win by 30 points easily you know there's a there's a quite interesting confusion in some of the some of the commentary yeah Matt there's a couple of things I'd like to talk to you about one is the the imprints of Stuart Lancaster and, and obviously the fact that Andy Farrell is is uh, an Englishman and we have Mike Catt involved as well um, is there any sense in English rugby that somehow this is a a, a, a brains trust that got away do you know what there, there hasn't there hasn't been that narrative actually in English rugby um, around that, yet I'm sure that, uh, that when Ireland come up with the goods at the weekend, that then that will be mentioned. Um, but that, no, no, I, 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 it's not really been a story. Plenty of English coaches or English ex players and coaches have gone to um, to international rugby. I think the I think if anything, it's it's more of a story for those coaches rather than the public. I think that there was a, um, you know, there was Lancaster, Barrel, Cat, particularly, you know, who's a colleague of, of uh, Keith and ours from the Lions uh, tours. You know, he has got such an unbelievable brain in the game, but has never been able to really lay it out there in an environment that Keith was talking about there in, in an environment where. The consequence when the consequences weren't necessarily managed to an inch of their lives, and uh, I, I think now that it doesn't actually matter where the coaches come from. I mean, listen, Ireland have had New Zealand coaches, Ireland coaches, English coaches previously. Um, I think it's the mindset is so connected between what the players want to do when they go on the field and the types of coaches that they are. Their their players coaches not management coaches um and uh, yeah as i say they're, they're probably yeah, given what could happen at the weekend i think that narrative might well take over so you potentially sparked up yet another reason for uh, the english media to jump on their backs and maybe the rfu should have kept the likes of andy farrell and mike cat and Stuart lancaster but um uh yeah they're, listen they're doing a great job i'm i'm very very proud of uh, of uh, to see what they can do because it sets the benchmark you know and England need to find a benchmark pretty quick 
Uh, Matt, we were talking about this yesterday. Jack Van Portfleet came up at, at scrum half, and Matt Williams was making the point that he didn't feel like he was up to, to international standards just just yet. I know you were writing about this this week uh, with your with your column on BBC Sport. Like, it, it, how many of this English team, if any, are, are world class at the moment? Because it, it feels like the first time in a generation where maybe maybe they're struggling for any in that in that bracket. Yeah, I mean, certainly there are no players in that team that are world class at the moment. Um, and there, there are a handful of players in that squad that have been world class and have the capability of being world class, but they're absolutely not there at the moment. I think there's a misconception that you can generalise really good play by saying you're world class. Well, world class effectively means if there's a world 15, you're in it. And there is not a chance there is anyone from that England side uh, being in a world 15. You, to, to answer your question on Jack Van Portfleet, you know, there, there, there's a good, there's a good case study where, you know, I watch a lot of premiership rugby and I've never seen Jack Van Portfleet play like that. You know, that he, he has, he has been, you know, his game has been somewhat drawn out of him because of the way that England wants the style to be. Um, and, you know, not that I have spoken to him, but, you know, if I, if I did, I would say, listen, mate, go back to how you play at Leicester. Give pace in the game, be a threat around the fringes. You know, put pressure on your fellow players to play in an intensity and a decision-making intensity that the opposition are going to struggle at. Everybody in the world can deal with, you know, one phase and a box kick and, you know, are you going to do that to Hugo Keenan? Absolutely no chance. You're going to get ripped apart. Um, so it's just a matter of those England players gaining a bit more confidence about how they play week to week and coming up with a with a strategy, which is going to take time. You know, that's not going to happen in a week. Want to go to Dublin? No chance. Keith, from an Ireland perspective, obviously we, we lost both our hookers uh, early in the game, and then Keen Healy comes on and plays. Can you talk to us a little bit about your admiration for what Healy managed to do, and then? I presume it's Herring back this week. So, first off, Healy, what did you make of that? Um, look, there's a, there's a variety of pieces on that. For one, um, A, Healy's an incredible professional. B, the fact that they, they had him marked down as a hooker shows a fine sense of forethought because you have to be marked as one to be able to be safe for insurance reasons, actually, that you have to be able to play in that position. And the fact that he'd be able to do it. Now, I would have played against three prop front rows back in the day. That was a big Argentinian thing. It was a French thing for, for quite a while in the early 90s. Um, so it can be done. But And the game has changed a little so that the striking isn't quite as uh, far-reaching as it used to be. You, you know, the ball goes in uh, a little bit more crooked than it used in our day. But... To raise your foot at all for a prop under pressure in the middle of a scrum is terrifying. So, you know, that is, it's an extraordinary thing to do. I mean, we used to do it every now and then. We put the backs into, into the front row just to show how hard it was that we had to work for them not to knock on the ball in the back, in the back line. But just for pressure without pushing, the pressure that goes down on the neck when, when you're going to strike the ball is, is terrifying if you're not used to it. And it takes a while to get used to. It took him one scrum. So for that, it's pretty extraordinary. I just, I loved the thinking that went on, the, the prep that was done so that a player can go into the scrum and feel confident. Of course, when it went on to the opposition ball, he was just, 
it's like he's a huge beast of a man. So he's in a great position to push straight and push hard and put the team under pressure. So I thought our scrum actually got stronger when he went in. And that's a very unusual thing. Um, I did send him a message afterwards and welcomed him to the club. <laughs> but it's, um, it's a funny, uh, like, I, again, it's just a rare thing that you see. And for me, it opens up a whole variety of unusual questions that I would never have liked to have opened up when I was playing. Do you have to have the hooker throwing the ball into the lineout because um, uh, Van der Fleer threw incredibly well? And um, can you have different players playing in different positions? It's you know that have different sizes or skill sets. But on this one day, the results were phenomenal because if it went to uncontested scrums, that takes a lot of pressure off a team that's trying to chase a game, and and that never happened. What about Herring? Is there, do we lose much if Herring starts next weekend? No, I'm a fan of Herring. Um, I'm not a fan of him as, by comparison to, to Sheehan or Kelleher. I think Sheehan is, is world class, actually. Um, I think he has, he has the touches to be one of the absolute greats in the game. Um, I don't know what the story is with his injury. Um, I think Kelleher seems to be out definitely. Herring is, not as powerful, but is accurate um, in the lineout. Is is a is a is a really good international player. I mean, we're we're well served, and we hadn't been for for a period of time. We only ever had one or two, maybe one injury away from almost panic stations. But now we have Herring, I think, and and if Sheehan isn't there, maybe maybe Stewart's two guys from Ulster coming into it, so that might happen. So, no, I wouldn't worry about that at all. I. I if we were talking about the team, and it would be interesting whether Matt has a view on this, but for me, the biggest change looking at Ireland this year is that there is a structure that people can fit into that doesn't depend on you being um, taking on a mantle of, of a playmaker or um, a mantle of where you have to be at 100% straight away. There's about four or five different options nearly for every pass at the moment. I haven't seen that for a while. So so when players are training in that system for six or seven weeks and they drop into it, yeah, you can you can change players. So I thought Ross Byrne came off came onto the field the other day and looked at his most comfortable in an unbelievably difficult match. Yeah, Matt, was that one of the hallmarks of your team when you were at the level that was competing and winning a World Cup? Yeah, it, it's um, yeah, but I, I certainly do see a a lot of similarities um, that, that or, or, or a lot of um, uh, the, the sort of methodology of Ireland at the moment and their strategy from when I was, you know, all those years ago. It, 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 it sort of feels to me that when I watch Ireland, they're like, um, they, they sort of have this military precision in the way that they play. And as Keith alluded to there, just that everybody can slot into every single position and they know exactly where they are. And, you know, all the uniforms are beautifully positioned and, and boots polished. And, you know, it looks so neat and everybody is moving in, in, in unison with one another. Um, and it's just, it, it feels that it feels to me that they go on the field with no, no arrogance an absolute confidence that if they just do what they're supposed to do, 
they're going to get themselves into positions of score. And that probably then leads towards what Keith's talking about is those individual playmakers that maybe Ireland have had in the past that stand out, you know, Keith being one of them, Brian Driscoll being another, you know, Johnny Sexton in his early, early years. Whereas now they are all at such an incredible level and they all sit in this brilliant regime, which gives them a flexibility to do what they need to do, but also what they, they want to do. Um, but it, it really does have a, it has a feel of, uh, it, and that usually this sounds really negative, but it's sort of mechanical robotic, but it's as if they've found the, the new human robot that can do a break dance and uh, as well as sit down and have dinner and do all the mannerisms you possibly want. It's so well oiled. I can't, I genuinely can't see anyone other than France on a, you know, a crazy day in Paris. You're pushing them at the moment. It's going to be difficult to keep that over the next six months, of course. But right now, they are, they're the real deal for sure. Two quick questions about England before we let you go, Matt. The, um, the Tuilagi is a ghost for Ireland because every time he's played us, he has beaten us. He's literally, it was, you know, it was his physicality that caused the injury that ended David Wallace's career. They smashed us when, uh, four years ago when we thought, oh, we're going to roll into the Six Nations and head off to Japan and be really happy. And he just came on, on the, on the first throw in at a line out, smashed our midfield. There was a knock on. The game was over at Lansdowne Road and it's like, oh my God, he's back. He's back this weekend. One player can't entirely change anything but suddenly there's something for England to hang their hat on well I mean we, if, if Mano is fit then he would probably play because England do need uh, they do need momentum they do need something that is going to change the picture uh, for the referee for the opposition for them to be concerned about um, so uh, you know I, I would expect Mano to maybe come in and and cause a little bit of damage early on. But um, I, I'm not sure that's enough against the island side. I think, we, you know, you, you've given a couple of examples there where you know, in years gone by, that may have sort of ruffled the feathers and have discombobulated the island team to a point where, the, but I just can't see that happening. I, I, I mean, I'd love, love it to happen. Don't get me wrong. I mean, bringing Manu back and, giving England that kickstart and you know, gathering all of that energy and passion that England need to have when they play away from home. Um, but from what I've seen from Ireland at the moment, they'll probably soak it up and take all that energy out of England and move somewhere else. And the other one was about Billy Vinopola. Do you think he would improve the team if he was in the squad at the moment? Um, well, uh, the number eight discussion um, is, a, is, uh, is, a, is a long one. I've been away for a couple of days and that keeps on cropping up with everybody who wants to talk to me about English rugby. Hey, Alex John Brad did not have a good day at the office. Um, he has, has maybe he's got plenty of things to prove if he wants to say that he's the number eight for England at that type of intensity. Um, who, who on earth do England then pick? Do they pick Sam Simmons? Do they put Ludlam at eight? Do you bring back Billy Vinopola, who from all accounts has had a bit of a falling out with Steve Borthwick? Is Steve Borthwick going to put that aside just for one game? I'm not too sure. There is not, a, you know, there is not a depth 
of number eights coming through that are of the quality of Ireland, France, um, New Zealand, South Africa. That you know, and as Keith, Keith knows just as much as I do, your, your number eight is a real barometer, like the hooker, like the number eight, like your fullback. It's a real barometer of how you play and the intensity that you play. And yeah, I mean, as you identified, that is one position that needs something. So yeah, maybe, maybe Billy is, is the man. He's not played international rugby for a while, but it's all, it's all hands on deck. It's, it's whatever you can possibly do to, to get yourself through 80 minutes and, and try and scrape a win or try and scrape a performance. Even, even that hurts by saying it, but. If England perform well at the weekend, it might, it might, that might be enough. I mean, that's ridiculous for me to say that even if England don't win, but they perform, that might be enough for this team. That hurts, but it might well be the case. Yeah, Keith, listening to that, Ireland should win this game. What's your prediction? Yeah, look, I, I just want to touch on one bit from, from Matt. I think England have been fairly destabilized by having players picked and dropped with huge regularity over the last number of years. There hasn't been that consistency of selection. And at times we've criticised Andy Farrell that he hasn't made enough changes. But he has built the system that now the changes can fit in without it being destabilising. And that's been the difference. So so for me, when I look at, at this game, then at the weekend, um, I lo- I've loved the last two performances. They've been very different, but I've loved them for what they were. There was a 12-minute period in the second half the other day, the start of the second half. It was the slowest 12 minutes I can remember ever watching, whether that was just anticipation or, or what was going on in the field. But it was an amazingly intense game of rugby and a great game of rugby. We picked up a lot of injuries from it, but I thought the manner in which we won led to this weekend. So... Um, like a, a lot comes down, still comes down to additional injuries, still comes down to yellow cards and red cards. And I think our discipline has been very, very good. And that's one thing that kind of takes a little bit of the energy um, or gives us a little bit more energy that our discipline has been very good with it. I think it'll be a really, really tough. England can change how they're playing. They're going to kick an awful lot of ball. They're going to try and carry the ball a lot heavier and harder and try and poke holes in it because to change into a wider expansive game at the moment with a team with a very low confidence level doesn't seem likely. So they're going to try and do their their game plan but do it better than they have at a higher intensity. That will cause damage at different times but I do think Ireland will be able to withhold it. So uh, I think I think we win. I think we win by sort of 10, 12 points, not 20 points, 30 points, 40 points, the way people are presuming will, will automatically happen. This is the last game of the Six Nations. This is a huge game for us. Um, I hope we play with the same level of ambition. And our ambition is to score tries as often as we possibly can. But I expect England to have their best performance of the year um, because I think that they have the pride will be to do it I think it was a chastening experience for them last weekend Final word to you Matt what's your prediction? I, I, I would take uh, I would take 10-12 points all day long um, I think that that would be a good performance for, for England to get within 10 of Ireland right now um, it, it will all be down to the last probably 
20, 25 minutes. If, if Ireland are in good control of the game and the scoreboard, then as we saw at the weekend, have England got the fitness, have England got the, the mindset to hang on and really dig in for 25 minutes. Um, you know, and, and the way that Ireland are so clinical, it could, it could be, you know, more towards 20 points win. But I, I do lean more towards what Keith's saying there. I think just the occasion is going to be so intense for both sides. Um, it's more than likely going to be tight. Uh, but I'll say Ireland by 15. Gents, great to have you with us. Former Lions teammates Keith Wood and Matt Dawson, thanks a million for joining us today, folks. Cheers, gents. Pleasure. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.